Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Kate Welker. This edition, we are going to be talking about the favorite topic of February, which is around love and money. But before we dive into that, we have to, you know, as usual, give our, I would say our Friday pick of the week wine. I have mine sitting out on the counter already, Kate. That's the kind of week it's been for me. <laughs> it is a Friday for sure. I think we're all feeling that. And I think we said that last time we recorded too, a Friday afternoon, ready to unwind. Yeah, I have, it's called Bread and Butter. That's the winery that it's from. It's a California winery and it is a Cab Sauvignon. And I actually had their Pinot Noir not too long ago and they had it on like a buy one, get one special in the Publix grocery store down here in Florida. So it's like, ooh, buy one, get one, you know, me and deals around wine. So I picked up their Cab Sauvignon and it is really, really rich, not um, overly tobacco-y like some Cab Mm -hmm. Cab Sauvignons have that really heavy, smoky kind of tobacco-y flavor. This one is super smooth and plummy. I, I just like I I'm really ready for a glass tonight. <laughs> that sounds like like that would fit my flavor profile. I'm, I'm not too adventurous and I'm not uh, indulge that often, but that sounds like something that I should look for next time I'm looking for something new. <laughs> Maybe take a trip over to the little wine store next to Wegmans in your yes. plaza there. <laughs> Well, I thought, you know, February being the, the love month, as we say, I call it the Hallmark month, one of the most expensive mm-hmm. um, months of the year around the topic of love. Um, as Americans, we spend an enormous amount of money around uh, showing how much we love each other in the month of February, especially Valentine's Day. Um, but in your particular situation, as we were sort of setting up for this call, we were talking a little bit about t- two things, actually. One was around uh, your kids and the importance of them understanding money and the connection of emotion and money. And also a follow up from the women's conference that we had in October, the money habitude cards that we mm-hmm. did at that conference. Um, you you mentioned to me that you and Paul learned some things about each other when you did those money habitudes. And for people that are interested, you can actually go online and, and do this uh, digitally as well. Yeah, we did. It was, and I would encourage people to do that because I find it fun. I actually, and um, Becky on our team said she did the same thing. I had him in my purse for a little while and was going to people. I'm like, here, I have a quiz for you. <laughs> go through these cards and see what your money personality is. 
because I think a lot of people guess what their answer might be and the results. Usually your main, you kind of know what you are, but some of the other information is surprising. Well, I think because it's not, you don't think about the answer. You know, as you're flipping through the cards, you're just putting the cards in the right pile. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So it's that first like instinct in the brain and there's no... There's no like, well, I should answer this way, but I didn't. I didn't. And we find, you and I have talked about this, you can't talk about money sometimes and people's behaviors around it without getting to the psychology behind it. It's so intriguing. And I know there's a lot of programs out there that can combine that information with the financial planning that um, I've just started to dip my toes into, so to speak. And I'm excited to learn more because I it helps us communicate with clients and people and in your family. So in my position with uh, two children that are not, you know, they're still young, but not as young as when they were toddlers. When we talk about these things, it's really important for me to be having healthy conversations and just trying to teach them about everyday basics and how they think about money and feel about money and manage their own money. Well, you know, what's interesting in a lot of cases, and we've said this to each other on the team, we've noticed it with some of our clients who have made this comment. Children can be raised in the same exact household and have completely different psychologies around money. Mm-hmm. And my two are a perfect example of that. <laughs> I have a saver and I have a spender. Um, and it's really interesting to just see these uh, you know, that personalities develop. And we have chosen to let the kids manage some money over time as they've gotten older because we used to have a lot of ask, I want, you know, want me's or can I have this every time we went to the store and we were finding out if we gave them some money to manage and let them know that this is kind of your treat money, but when it's gone, it's gone. Number one, it stopped on those questions all the time because they still pushed for a little while when they were young. And then when I say, well, you've got your own money, um, they changed their mind. Or once it was their own money, they thought a lot harder about what they were buying (laughs) with their money. Um, And as I said, I have a saver and a spender and just kind of watching these personalities evolve where one is very content to save and pick out a larger item that's going to be more important and more useful and just perfectly content to do that and wait. And the other one has a dollar in their pocket and just like, what, what can I go buy? What can I do with this? Um, it's a new adventure and like a new experience. And maybe that's part of it too. Like their their feelings when they get something or spend their mm-hmm. money on it. Um, but it's interesting. The spender is a like deliberator in the store. It will be like, I want to go buy something, but I'm going to be here and enjoys the experience of shopping. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go in and I'm going to shop around and see what I want and pick this out and think about it and put it back. So it's almost, you know, a whole experience spending those that money where the other one saves, picks up and has an idea. And like, that's it. We walk in, we buy that, we leave. No more. Like, I don't want to deal with it all. I think you can relate to that. <laughs> I am. I hate to shop. <laughs> yeah. it's funny. I love to shop. So it's um, interesting too. like, I enjoy shopping and looking around and, and seeing things, even just window shopping. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is, it's funny watching. And again, same household, close enough in age that there wasn't a lot of differences in our lifestyle or situation, mm-hmm. which is these completely unique attitudes behind mm-hmm. them. Um, I'm curious, is it your girl or your boy that's a saver? Um, so my, it's my son, the older one is a, is a, a saver. saver. Yeah. Yes. Um, he will think through, through, through things. He's even thinking long-term about, um, you know, the car hasn't come up yet. I'm waiting for that to happen. But college, college is heavy mm-hmm. on his mind. It might also be an oldest child thing. We mm-hmm. talk about birth order and what goes into that because that mm-hmm. was on my mind a lot at that age, um, saving for those things. And he's, and he's closer in age to that experience. And I think some of it's maturity. I have a 10 and a 13-year-old. So a lot happens in those years as you're mm-hmm. heading into those teenage years and maturity. Um, 
Yeah, I think your son does have some what I would call old soul in him a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, his answer to his thirteenth, you know, his birthday present Uh for for turning thirteen cracked me up. Yes. Um, and I can, I can share that with, so Amy had offered because it was a big birthday to send him a gift and she offered an Amazon gift card or, um, to open an account, purchase a stock. And he asked him and he said, Hmm, well, I'm interested in stocks, but I don't think I'm mature enough yet to accept that responsibility. I need to learn some more about it. So an Amazon gift card, it was, which is still waiting because I said to him, do you want, do you have something in mind? No, I want to think about it for a while. And in the reverse, on Emma's birthday, it was spent that night. <laughs> on a math game. It was a, it was a math game she had wanted for a long time. She had thought about it, but she knew what she wanted. Oh, I just thought the comment about not mature enough. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, that just cracked me up. Yes. But it does show the difference. I mean, and so when we think about, you know, the psychology of money, just just between your two children and the you know age difference only being three years, right? Mm-hmm. You think about the the psychology of money as a general rule. There's that survival mode, which is, you know, like, um, okay, I've got, well, let me back up. There's that whole thought process of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that all behaviors stem from need, right? So the, the survival is... Um, you know, we have the basic need, like the basic stuff is give or, um, provided, the housing, the food, like that's like basic kind of stuff. And then safety, um, safety and security is one of those, you know, thoughts that's like, um, it, it's not true, like safety and security, but it's psychological safety and security. Mm-hmm. It, it is around, like, I have sufficient money. This is the category I call the bag lady syndrome. Yes. So, you know, if you're a safety and security person, it really is never going to matter how much money you have. You are always going to worry about spending money. And we know certainly no clients like that. Mm-hmm. And then the sort of the next realm up is love and belonging. Now, those are my givers. Those are the people that will give when they even shouldn't be giving necessarily, but they show their love with money. They feel like they belong with money. So they're sometimes over givers and that can be a problem. And then the next realm up is self-esteem. Self-esteem spenders can get themselves into trouble because um, that's the... I need to feel better. Let's go shopping. Like it's the endorphins kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or, you know, I need to have all the hottest clothes or have all, you know, and, and it can be okay if we treat ourselves like that to a certain extent. We should. But if you overextend and you don't have the resources and that's the way you deal with self-esteem, that's where debt can become a, a bigger issue. And then at the very top of Maslow's, um, you have self-actualization, which is means that you're spending your money in the same way that you have values. So your values and your spending are equivalent. Interestingly enough, self-actualization often can look like either safety and security or love and belonging a lot of times. Um, most often safety and security because you've got your value, your spending is matching your values. And so you're saying like, I will spend money, but I will only spend it on things that are most important to me. So don't judge me if I don't give to every single person that has their hand out or every single charity. They don't mean as much to me as the charitable organization or the child or the nephew or the niece that I give to. You know, that <laughs> right. So, yeah. So like thinking about, um, you know, development of children, 
And like your two children, again, same household, same exact lessons that you've been working with your children on. I've watched you over the years. You've not treated your children any differently in any way. Um, you know, you've, you've allowed them to manage some of their money, as you mentioned, and yet they both have different money psychologies. They do. It's all in our, it's all in their brain. And we are trying to be very careful or me, especially because we, you know, you and I are in a position, we intimately see these personalities at play every day. Mm -hmm. So just helping to have discussions to guide them and not change who they are, but encourage creative thinking, encourage kind of pushing their boundaries a little bit where, um, you know, Emma recently decided on her own to make a box for herself and she's creative. So she has to get in this mode and got out the cardboard and the duct tape and the paint and, and everything she does. And she made herself like a savings box because if it was fun and she could lock it away, I think she might physically put a lock on it. We will see. Um, she was like, I can't touch it. It's going to go there. And then the same thing reverse where, um, you know, Brayden's been saving for something and he wanted to buy it. But there was that little bit of like, oh, is it OK? Can I let can I let money go? And like, we've talked about this. There's a video game he's been waiting forever. Um, actually, today there's one out and that's one of our activities this afternoon is going to buy it. But this morning he had that pause of it's, it's OK, right? It's, it's OK. <laughs> yes, it's fine. This is what you saved for. This is what you want. Um, and even once in a while, those for him, it's very hard to splurge on something like small and thinking through like it's OK once in a while to do that. Um, and then, you know, just trying to guide them both to push their boundaries a little bit. So the interesting thing, like when you have uh, on our end, when you have, and it's so great that you're, you know, you're recognizing this in your children and you're talking, having these conversations early on, because when you, when you have like households that have very different money philosophies, it can create that conflict Mm -hmm. between somebody who overgives and somebody who is a love and I'll say a safety and security because the person that's a love and belonging will look at the safety and security and say, you're being stingy. Right. And And the person is, and that is not exactly our household, but when I was, I was telling you earlier, these money habits, two cards we went through and I was surprised to find myself, um, uh, my avoidance care category was giving. And I consider myself a very generous person. I think we've been pretty blessed in our lives and like to help out where we can. And I don't think for me, it's so much giving of resources as I analyze just this person, you know, who really needs it? Is it the best place to put things? Um, versus my husband, who that's his dominant category is giving. And he is very generous. Um, I think love and belonging. I, I don't think security was as much of an issue for him. He always has felt secure. And I, you know, it's, I have these things I want to share with the world. And for me, I grew up a little less secure. And still, even though I am, it's my mentality of making sure we're secure. So I find myself kind of protecting against him. And he's not protecting against each other, but we, balance each other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he, I want to hold it back a little bit he's like it's okay and vice versa right and you guys have been able to communicate from that perspective or work out any differences where couples, yeah yeah where couples don't communicate mm-hmm. about it or aren't able to work out differences that's where you see uh, the conflict continue to escalate in other ways and and interesting like Brent and I we are totally Brayden like Brent, Brent and I, are yes. like, you know, so we don't like balance each other out. We just like back each other up. <laughs> yes. And sometimes that's just as dangerous. I know it is. Mm-hmm. It, it truly is because, you know, you know, Brent and I, I mean, the pandemic has certainly put a little bit of a hiccup in our travel plans, but we've been saving 
for two major trips. There's two like bucket list trips that we've been saving for. And the money is there. It's sitting in our savings account. And we were... I'm like, Brent, we just need to book the flight. Like that's going to hold us accountable to actually like, you know, book this vacation. And um, we need to set the dates on the calendar. Like we had to take this in baby steps and force ourselves to actually go on a vacation that we want to go on. <laughs> you want to do it. And I think we do this with clients sometimes too. Of that's our, sometimes I feel our role to, to give them feedback that it really is okay and hold their hand and, give that push in these steps um, at times. You just yeah. reminded me of something I read the other day and I wish I could remember the resource or I had pinned it and I, I actually think it was on the radio. They were talking about this love and money topic. I think it was like a heading into February and they said in couples therapy when they get to money, one thing that was coming out was the perception of how your partner thinks you spend. So if you think your partner spends too much, even if they don't, it's going to cause tension and mm -hmm. vice versa. So it was getting into this communication where um, they found all these couples that like the, you know, the wife would say, he thinks I spend all this money all the time. And he was like, I don't think that. But internally, they were thinking this. Um, it, it really hit me when it, when it came to these topics that we deal with in perception and asking those questions because I'm sure for me there's been a little bit of that you know Amazon mm -hmm. list that I'm like hmm let's move that package before everybody gets home today because it's the, <laughs> you know it's just convenient to order the household items online versus going to the store and wandering um, on that as well as sometimes it's the the big purchases not the small little ones but it all goes back to communication yeah that money date concept that we've talked about in the past right having a money date with each other have a money date and lay it out it's hard I struggle you know we still struggle with that you have a, a you are a um like goal to get to like you you put it on the calendar and i know you and brent talk about it right we do we, we have a you you've probably seen it on my calendar before we have a once a month we sit down and we review it we talk through it um you know we talk about what's coming up for the month um it it's scheduled in the morning but it often happens at night and we mm -hmm. you know quite honestly usually grab a glass of wine and just sort of look through the bank account look through the credit cards talk about anything coming up, um, where's the money coming from, like if taxes are coming due, you know, where's the bucket that it's you know, funded already from and, and how we can transfer it over and, and, you know, like any, any big expenses that we are anticipating. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, we find that any um, assumptions get wiped out because of that conversation. It, it's, it's laid out. Yeah. We find, um, I found that car rides for us work well because we are in the car a lot um, between events with the kids and our fam some family about an hour away, we may make a trip quite often. So I'll use that time to kind of just pull up the bank, share what the balances are because I, I handle that. Paul trusts me to handle it. You know, everything's going well, but I want him to be aware of where things are. And I've recently just, um, given him his own access that to an aggregator that we use here in our software. So that mm. I don't know why I didn't think, I didn't think about that before I do with clients. Um, said so here, you can at least, I don't know if he cares too, because he trusts me, but I want him to be informed. Yeah. And we have had some concern about if I wasn't here finding that information. So I'm trying to keep him aware. More yeah. So. Wait till he turns 50 K. Cause that was the trigger for Brent. Like the interesting. Yeah. He always left stuff up to me. And mm -hmm. then around the time that he turned 50, he was like, so where exactly, how much exactly do we have saved? It was oh, actually yes. kind of a, a pleasant surprise for him. I mean, it, yeah. was, you know, it, was, it was good. And I was so thrilled when he finally wanted to engage in those conversations. Like mm -hmm. I try, we used to have what I call the financial summit once a year where I would 
um, you know, sit down and just go over everything with him so that he was aware. And he'd be like, are we done yet? (laughs) (laughs) And after he turned 50, he's like, you know, very engaged in that conversation. So I think that was the trigger for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen that with age. And I think that's a a lot of people, especially personality as you age and get closer to these dates that are more important to us. Um, Yeah. To know, to know what's there and what's important. And, you know, and I think when someone is married to a financial planner, they also are a little bit different and they take for granted that we do know what's um, yeah. what's on our plate, so to speak. Brent feels like he has three or four financial planners. He's just like, he's, he's like, okay, so if something happens to Amy, I talk to Becky and Kate. Like, yeah. he knew, you know, he feels like he has the backup plan in place pretty solidly. Um, which is, it, it gives me great relief that, you know, there's somebody there to help him through if it's ever needed. Um, and I'm sure the same for you. So, Kate, I, I know we're going to wrap this up, but I did have a, a couple of questions that are just a, a couple of tips that I'd love for you to maybe share that. How do you, how do you actually talk with your kids? Because I think a lot of people do struggle with that. And I wonder if there's three tips that you use or could use to, to like give people advice on how to bring those conversations up without the mom response, you know? Um, That's a really good question. Something, a couple things we do, I'm trying to think of how to summarize this in snippets, but we'll get there. One thing is being, um, I wanted to say semi-open, so like maybe opaque and not transparent with money, but having honest conversations about household expenses. Mm -hmm. So um, there's been a few times, and this is probably came up on a podcast in the past, they'll see something and they're like, you have a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. What are you going to do with that money? And then we'll talk about like what average mortgage payments are, what the heat bill costs, the internet that you love so much or the cell phone bills and not to burden them because that's can be just as um, troublesome mm-hmm. or if they think there's not enough, like you don't want to lead into insecurity, but just the sense of reality, because I've seen so many, um, you know, just working in the schools and some volunteer stuff, kids the age of 14, 15, 16, who don't have a concept of what, you know, how far a dollar goes or doesn't go. Mm -hmm. Um, Something else is just using money, even from a young age, letting them hold the money and pay. If even if you're handing them $3 to go buy something and use that $3, the physical act of holding, um, maybe it's physical cash too, just holding it, seeing the money, seeing it go away and or getting changed back to understanding that um, there's an exchange there. We've also let the kids count out like the coins before vacation to talk about what we're using. Mm-hmm. For that. Mm-hmm. And for trips, we let them help plan a little bit um, to maybe help make some financial decisions. And we've done this before over breaks or special occasions. Said this is what we're looking to do. What are some ideas? And we'll kind of guide the conversation around what we're willing to do or how much we're willing to spend or how far that would go. Those are great ideas. And I, I know that you have written a blog before about the coin jar. Um, yes. So we'll, we'll try to find that um, and link it into the show notes for this particular um, episode. Well, Kate, I, those are great tips. And I think, you know, the other tip that I would say I would add to it is, is from a uh, family perspective and even a, a relationship perspective is to to take time to talk about money in a safe and focused place. Right. You said you talk about it in the car because that's time that you're less likely to get interrupted. It's a safe place. It's something that's not like an extra event that you guys are planning, but it is that time where you're, where there's, uh, 
I guess the ability to actually think through and talk through some things. That's your space. Other people might have other space, but I think right. that's for a- us, if we said, Hey, let's just sit down at the table and have a meeting, the kids are going to be like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Bring, that, bring that suspicion into it where we do tend to have, like you said, everyone has their space. The car for us is our mm-hmm. open, com- open ended conversation space. Well, I think this has been a great discussion about kids and money and uh, relationships and money. I uh, (laughs) feel like I had a little bit of a therapy session along with this discussion. Uh, For those of you, as you can tell, our theme for the month of listening for those... For those of you listening, you can tell the theme for this month is going to be around relationships and money and love and money. And we hope that you tune in for each of the shows this month. We'd also love for you to share this with your friends on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, also LinkedIn. If you have a question, if you and your spouse or significant other are wondering about some questions around love and money, we would love to feature them in asking for our friend section. So send us a note and ask that question and we'd love to feature them this month. Thank you all for listening and we hope you've enjoyed the show. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.